Hi, I'm Sally. I'm Linda. And I'm Ming. Pour yourself a cup of tea and join us for this week's episode of Moving Oolong. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Along. Today we have our 60th episode, and it's another guest episode, so stay tuned to meet our guest. I think you'll find it's a very interesting conversation that we have about an organization that you may or may not have heard of. But that's enough teaser. Before we get started, let's um, begin by going around and updating each other on our weeks. Um, I guess we can start with Linda. How was your week? Um, I guess I'll just say my measly contribution because <laughs> the main part was our collective activity. So I just had a long day at work today. So that's just what's on my mind right now. Like I can't think about other stuff. I don't know why it's been so busy, but basically we had a team retreat and I was responsible for getting the Google poll out. So I got all the feedback and some of it was like, criticizing others and like a touchy subject things like that and I was talking to my boss and then we were getting in it we were like so what do we do like do we show everyone do we only show the leadership team like what does that say about us and I was freaking out because I had this like information in like my personal gmail account in my <laughs> lindaco42 wow. at gmail.com because I'm like is there a retreat where we did like origami so I was like, everyone was going to say, like, this is fun, like, whatever, it was boring, but I did not expect a whole thing. So today I was just using my full brain to <laughs> think about this issue. I'm like, I shouldn't even be thinking about this. Like, don't ask for my opinion anymore. But like, I couldn't stop myself from, like, giving more and more opinions. Like, like you should do this. Of course. Be consistent and blah, blah. So I don't know. I feel mm. like your org has a retreat like every other month. Yeah, I've never had a retreat <laughs> in my job. <laughs> really? What is it even? No. What do you mean do at a retreat besides full origami? I mean, do you have retreats? No, I mean, sometimes we have like one day workshops, but we haven't had a retreat since I've been here. So I don't think it's coming <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I don't even know what a retreat is. It's like team building i guess mm -hmm. we well, have a built. fall one and a spring one did it help it your was team? destroyed <laughs> <laughs> or i don't know they don't know about the feedback yet so i'm just like sitting on this like mind of like information <laughs> people were that honest yeah i guess that's kind I, of surprising like, i don't know what's going on with them that day so yeah not uh, it's above my payroll but somehow i'm still worrying about it all day <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. okay sally um let's see i guess i'll also give a work update so this week i gave my presentation <laughs> my poster presentation and well one of them the mm. other one is coming tomorrow but it's the same one basically and i spent like the whole like beginning of the week or actually the weekend too, stressing about it for no reason. I was like, oh, I really need to practice. You know how Ming, I was telling you, oh, I think I need to do a little work over the weekend. And I didn't end mm -hmm. up doing anything over the weekend as usual. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so then on Monday, I was like so stressed because I was like, I haven't practiced my poster. And my mentor was like um, suggesting that I should record myself 
giving the presentation. And I don't know, for some reason, just like the thought of having to record myself stresses me out, even though it's just for my own like practice, not even to show anyone. So I didn't do any of that. And then one day I was just practicing to myself. And then um, some other people in my lab were like nice enough to let me practice the giving the presentation to them. So then after practicing, like, I don't know, like 10 plus times, I was really confident. I also practiced to my mentor. And on Tuesday, I think I did really well, except for the, like, someone asked a question. It was a moderator. She asked this question and mm. I kind of answered it wrong, but most of what I said was right. So it's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my mentor emailed me later after the presentation. He was like, you should have said oh. this instead, <laughs> but it's, it's okay. But yeah, I think I was a little bit overprepared. <laughs> but I was that was good mm. um and this week like my work work has just been really slow because I feel like um all the projects that I've been working on kind of are stalling and I don't know how to move it forward because it's not stalling because of me it's like someone else's holding it up so I'm just like doing menial things at work and acting like I'm busy basically <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I don't really have much to do, which kind of like it feels weird. But also because I'm in my presentations, I don't I'm not like looking for things to do. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird week. But mm-hmm. You have more downtime. Then. Yeah, yeah. I have more downtime. I was able to go into open studio again today, <laughs> leaving work early. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. wow. Not a late night. Well, I don't have that much to do, so it's okay. <laughs> Mm -hmm. late night at a studio no so the open studios unfortunately are not until late in the night only the classes go late at night but there's something i'm really excited for so halfway through the pottery sessions you get to sign up for the next um set of pottery classes and this time i sign up for a new class that hasn't been offered before in the studio and it's from my old teacher the one i was going to before and he's doing a wood firing class where um, normally Ooh. pottery is fired in like the kilns at the studio. But for wood firing, you do a different, you use different type of clay and it's fired at a higher temperature in a wood kiln. And my teacher that's teaching this class, um, he has a wood kiln in his like home, I guess. He built one himself. So then he like mm. fires it. Like it doesn't get fired as um, often as normal kilns because it takes like a lot to like put the wood in and I guess start the fire and everything so it's like it's a really special thing to be able to fire <laughs> your work in a wood kiln and it turns out like very different from what the result is in the normal kiln so I'm excited to take that class and then it's a 12-week class which is double the time of a normal class and at the end of the session you get to go to his wood kiln and um, fire your stuff there yourself it just sounds really cool so wait that's like a whole summer yeah three months mm-hmm. wow that sounds fun i want to find a um i don't know a hobby i guess i have like other You're stuff that I do. yes 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 but it's not like <laughs> taking classes like i want a learning hobby yeah. i spent like uh five minutes the other day looking up chinese classes <laughs> and then i gave up I know I've been Why? I've looked up Chinese it's classes. It's so overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to find one at some point, like a few months ago, and you just don't know where to start looking. Like, I don't know how mm-hmm. I'm gonna find a Chinese school for my kids when 
it's time for them <laughs> to go to trade school because how do you know what's good and like there's so many options but some of them like I don't know it's just so confusing yeah too many options yeah. and it's like um, I'm gonna pay this person to teach me but how do I know if like I'll learn from them yeah and the, the school environment at least when we went to like school and college you like literally just went to the available classes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there were no oh, too much choice mm-hmm. yeah but maybe I'll spend 10 minutes this week. <laughs> Ming. If our listeners have recommendations, <laughs> DM Ming. Oh, great. But how was the rest um, of your week? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I can share the collective <laughs> event since none of you all shared it. Um, so on Saturday? Saturday. Saturday, we all went... We convened at Linda's house, like the good old high school times. <laughs> and we made... We put our bamboo harvest um, to work and we made bamboo and pork dumplings and it was so tasty. Even though they, the fried ones turned out kind of ugly. All of them turned out ugly. Windows <laughs> always pan. So we like are not sponsored. Within an inch of their life, like trying to get them out of yeah. the they were ugly, but they were tasty, and mm-hmm. I think that's all that matters. But it was really fun, um, especially, like, being in your house and, like, with your parents. It was, like, throwback to yeah. high school. Where, the way your mom talked to us uh, was, like, yeah. back in high school. Really? It's so nice. I, I appreciate that, mm-hmm. though. I like how your mom, like, Kind of, like, treats us she's as so, kids, um, I guess. Yeah. And she's so outgoing, too. Yeah. Like. She has always something to say, which is nice. <laughs> a look at my reach. She kept trying to yeah, make us have drink more food, her ML yeah. drink. <laughs> oh yes, that it wasn't even a. It's like it's a like jelly, a gel. Yeah, like a jelly in a pouch or something. But we also discussed with her mom about doing like a group order so we can all buy a walk <laughs> for the same. Episode. Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, what was it called? <laughs> I don't even remember, but she was showing us a website and it was all in Chinese. So mm-hmm. we had to like pull out like, okay, first we tried to use Sally, but then, you know. I'm not reliable. Then we had to pull out the big guns <laughs> and use Google Translate. <laughs> but yeah, I spent a lot more time there than I thought because I told my mom like, oh, I'm just going to go to Linda's house. We're going to make dumplings. It'll be fast. I'll be back in like two hours. We spent like, we were there from 10 to like 2.33. It was a long time. Mm-hmm. But you know, you came over say, so early at 10. And then you guys were Sally discussing insisted. the time like without me either. I said like 10, 10 and then Ming was like, yeah, let's go at 10. <laughs> okay. What? No, 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 no. Sally was the one who started it. Okay. Well, I was thinking if we start at 10, then we'll have it, we'll have it ready to eat by noon, which is like a normal lunch time. So then it will all work uh-huh. out. And it didn't work out. But then we just ended up talking for like hours afterwards. Yeah. I thought what your excuse was that you wanted time to play Mahjong. Yeah, that's too. Did you, you play you Mahjong? I did play Mahjong. Play. Did you play? I played like okay, good. Was soon after I got back. So it was a good timing. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say, I also watched Minari like in the evening of that night. Ooh, it was you? with my family. Like Minus my dad. Because I don't oh. know, he was doing work. But they really liked it. Um, I think my mom, like, she wasn't very emotionally attached to the story, and she also really? fell asleep in the middle. <laughs> but it's fine. I think my sister and I enjoyed it. Yeah, my mom wants to watch it now because it won a bunch of Oscars. Mm-hmm. And first of all, she doesn't really watch 
like shows or TV with subtitles on it. Um, so I was like excited to hear her say that she wanted to watch it, but I'm like, I also don't want to show it to you because you'll probably fall asleep halfway through it. <laughs> like she's a chronic like movie napper. My mom's the same. <laughs> but maybe I'll just do it. Did you guys buy it? How did you find um, it? This is illegally? off the record, but I watched it illegally. <laughs> Send me that link. Send okay. me the link. <laughs> well, I mean, that sounds like a really good week you all i think for work i had the opposite of sally where i'm like on so many different projects and so many different email threads that sometimes it's so confusing to keep up mm-hmm. and i have like my notion like app uh notes oh my god set i have up. notion too <laughs> oh finally wait do you use it for work what do you mean finally um yeah i have it for work and everyone was so impressed by it when i showed <laughs> them the screenshot they're like oh my god like i'm learning from you okay, <laughs> <mean>, go on <laughs> But yeah, I have like my tr- everything c- keeping track on Notion, but it's like still I'm like not falling behind on projects, but someone will email me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But I hide it by like being like, oh, yes, I'll have this to you. And then I quickly like do it, even though like I totally forgot about it. So work is like moving pretty fast for me, but I'm kind of enjoying that because it makes the days go by faster, at least. And yeah. Um, now that it's like really warm outside, we have the deck furniture out. So I'm like sitting outside Ooh. on my deck, like typing away. Can't believe um, it's almost yeah. May. May? Like, where has the time gone? Since graduating. Wow. <sighs> Hi, everyone. So, as Ming alluded to before, we have Vin as our guest today. And Vin is my communications director for ICASU, which is the East Coast Asian American Student Union. Um, and oh, I'm the graphic designer, so I volunteer on the committee too with Vin. So, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for um, having me on. Uh, yeah, my name is Vin. I use him his pronouns. Uh, director of communications, like uh, Linda said. Um, I graduated two years ago from Stockton University with a degree in biology, um, and now my day job, I work in research at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Oh, wait, CHOP? Or we also work yes. with the, the hospital a little bit. Oh, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go into what ICASU is and introduce that? Yeah, so ICASU uh, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so official. The is to, <laughs> they make you memorize, or they used to make you memorize the um, uh, like the mission statement and everything um, before my time, I guess. Um, but yeah, so ICASU is a 501c3 uh, whose mission is to inspire, educate, and empower those interested in Asian and Asian American issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it is like you said, like uh, you know, one of the oldest uh, student-run organizations um, across the East Coast. So, do you want to talk a little bit more about how you got into Ikasu? Did you start in college, or was it something you started post grad? Yeah, so uh, I got involved with Ikasu uh, in 2017 because uh, I was a part of my Asian Student Association at Stockton University, uh, and I was thankfully selected to go to the North Carolina conference. Um, and it had been the first time that uh, I got to experience yes. being in that like, <laughs> environment because um, I grew up in a predominantly white community. Um, and I was very much 
into my American identity than my Asian American identity at the time. Uh, so it was really eye-opening to see how many Asian Americans um, were there and talking about different issues that I'd never really thought about. Um, and so then the year after, in 2018, I decided I wanted to host my own workshop um, at the Cornell 2018 conference. Uh, and then from there, I joined uh, the national board as the first, oh no, the second ever advocacy communications coordinator, because it was a relatively new position. Uh, and it's a long, it's one of the longest names in Ikasu that basically just means uh, I helped translate advocacy topics into a more digestible, communicative way, essentially. Um, and so my first year, I did kind of like a mini documentary series uh, where I traveled to different um, universities uh, and interviewed uh, like ASAs and different Asian American organizations. Um, and then, yeah, last, and I stayed in that position for the following year. And then this last year, I became the director of communications, which is uh, a lot of work, um, but we've been able to do some really awesome stuff this year. Um, I guess to provide context on RN, um, the, we've heard of Ikasu through obviously Linda, but I think. Speaking for myself, the first time I ever heard of it was in relation to our Asian um, Oregon campus. Uh, and Ikasu has always been like a, a very like a, a large kind of umbrella organization that not many people, at least the people I was talking to, knew much about. It's kind of just like a, a floating thing that there was a conference to once a year that only people from ASU on our campus would go to, it seemed like. So it's interesting to hear it from your perspective being in it uh, for a while, it seems like. Um, but I guess the first question that comes to my mind is like, why did you decide to volunteer? Obviously, it's a volunteer position. So spending your time doing this outside of your day job, that seems like a big commitment. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, and I think it echoes to you know what you said, like how a lot of orgs um, might think that Ikasu is just like umbrella work that just has this thing like once a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, when I when I joined, I definitely wanted to like get more people excited about Ikasu um, because for me, it's such a formative experience because um, like, again, I was someone who did not want to hang out with Asian people in high school. Um, I was like always with track runners and like, you know, sports people. Um, but I was always that token Asian. Uh, and I knew it in the back of my mind, but I never really talked about it until I joined Ikasu. Um, and it, it was really there where I got to explore a little bit more about my like Vietnamese American identity. Um, and so, yeah, I think for me, I definitely want to get more people involved with Ikasu. And one of that, one of those ways was, um, through a lot of the initiatives that I helped start, um, whether that's, um, like our podcast where we like bring in different organizations because, Again, I think Ikasu, you know, as it's like about 40 some years old now, um, you know, mm -hmm. if you know Helen Zia or if you know Renee Tajima-Pena, you know, they were part of the first group of Ikasu um, back at like Princeton. Um, so like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say Ikasu has clout, but Ikasu um, has this history like institutional? of institutional history, right? And I want to use that as a way to... Um, you know, uplift other organizations. Like, I don't know if you've heard of NACASEC or um, oh, APIPA or like AAU. Um, you know, these are orgs that we really want to, you know, help support and stuff with our platform. Um, and also like organizations like Epic, you know, in the last two weeks ago, we had 
poetry, uh, night. poetry night. Yeah. Yeah. So like we were able to raise money for Epic, uh, which is the Empowering Pacific Islanders Coalition. I don't, don't, you should back check <laughs> me on that. Um, but, you know, I think um, the work that I've been doing, at least I, I definitely want to solve that issue of, of other orgs thinking that ECOSI is just like a conference. Mm-hmm. The conference is like the first step and then you like, you know, do more. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think and that's what a- was your workshop about the first one uh i am embarrassed to say uh it, it was about media representation why embarrassed <laughs> uh well because you know i think a lot of people are like oh media representation is like oh know, like boba liberal, boba liberal, boba liberal, <laughs> liberal you know but at the time it was like you know it was before crazy rotations came out um and i had just heard about uh, ghost in the shell and you know aloha if you've ever seen aloha with uh emma stone i think i won't um, <laughs> <laughs> you know so i you know i was very like oh we need to talk about this like no one's talking about it but obviously like so many people are talking about it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think that's a relatable feeling especially when you were talking about how you went from high school wanting to be with or not really uh, recognizing your Asian identity or wanting to get involved in it or learn more about it. I feel like that's a common story. And also for myself, that's a common feeling, I guess, of like when you go to university and you have the opportunity to meet like a whole bunch of different people and there's a lot more organizations on campus, especially like Asian centered organizations. It's like a whole new world opening. So the idea of wanting to, I guess, connect with it more through like an organization makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's cool that you like went through with it and doing a workshop and then like getting deeper into like the national board and everything like that. Um, yeah, I I guess that that answers the question about like why you wanted to volunteer. But what is it like actually to volunteer and spend your time? I guess I like how often or what is the time commitment like? Because communications director is a lot. Like I do communications like for my full time job, so I can't imagine doing it in addition to. Yeah, I think um, a day in the life. So I I will say I'm a certified workaholic. Um, I say certified because I've been doing it for as long as I can remember, I guess. Um, But I just really like, uh, you know, my my job is pretty nine to five, sometimes nine to seven, depending on the day. Um, Mm. But I think it's good work. and, And to me, when I'm doing, you know, setting up meetings or like talking to people or um helping to public publicize different things um i don't know i feel like it's kind of contributing to this i i, I don't like to say that like ikasu is the only word that's doing this right like i think a lot of people are working together just not talking to each other towards you know how do we make a more inclusive world or more equitable world sort of thing and how do we educate people on asian american issues or even pacific under issues right like um and I also am so thankful because my communications team is amazing. Uh, yes. Shout out to Linda. <laughs> um, so, you know, the most, most of my work is really coordinating with people um, and making sure programs are, are being pushed forward, um, making sure we have pubbing schedules. Um, it's nice because I think Ikasu has a lot of uh, volunteers. Um, so it's always nice to like rely on other individuals. Um, but Definitely my first year, it was a little overwhelming uh, because I was driving 
uh, all over the place on the East Coast. I went to uh, Amherst, UMass Amherst, and mm-hmm. I went to Vassar University in New York. Um, I went to Princeton. Um, I forget where else I went. I was just driving around to all these different schools, but it was nice because I got to meet and network with different people and kind of learn their different perspectives about like, you know, what is your ASA community like most focused on? And it actually wouldn't be the same at another place. You know, I think a lot of ASAs, as much as we, you know, say like, oh yeah, their ASAs are just usually like boba night or like, you know, go out to get, um, you know, Korean barbecue. Um, I think that, I think a lot of, I think, I don't think we give enough appreciation to the ASA worries that um, are able to have like workshops or, you know, um, host campus summits. If that's like one of ECOSI's programs is um, to like reach out to different universities, um, ASA or AU orgs. Um, it's like, hey, like if you want, we can have like a mini ECOSU and we can talk about issues that are relevant to your campus. Um, mm. But yeah, I think it's, it's thankless work, but I think it's good work. Um, I'm also an idealist person and an optimist. So, what is it like uh, um, working with universities and like students in universities as a postgrad? And are there things that you're like? I know your target audience for these conferences is are people in college, but do you have things in mind for people who are out of college, or like how to keep the community intact after you people graduate? Yeah, so we do have an alumnex program. Um, that is mostly for people who have been in ECASU, um, like on the national board of BOD. Um, but I know that there are discussions and, and definitely don't quote me on this, but, um, about like building out programming to include, you know, students who are postgrads. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. I've met so many postgrads who, um, never had the opportunity to take like Asian American studies programs or their university never offered it. Um, and so now they're like trying to reconnect and, you know, now that everything's virtual, you know, we open up our programming to like any, any, you know, students or like adults, at least, I don't know, prospects. I think we're all students, honestly, <laughs> like we're always students. We're always learning. Um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, those are some initiatives that we have. Um, and, you know, I think ECOSU definitely, at least from a communication side, you know, we definitely try to pub and share, um, so like all of our networks, um, you know, our newsletter includes people from like 2016, you know, so they've already graduated, but I know a lot of them have usually like to look at our um, jobs listing because we'll always list like, you know, outreach coordinator for Viet Lead or like um, communications director for like APIPA or something. So, mm-hmm. Is it harder for like post-grad to be connected to Asian American community? Do you feel like, I don't, I know there's like professional associations for Asian Americans, but that's not the same thing as like community, you know, um, it's like LinkedIn yeah. vibes. That's like what <laughs> I've heard of, but do you feel like you can do that without being super like yappy about it? I think so. I think, I think that what that takes is, um, instead of just joining an org, right? There's this, there's, so this is my, this is my mentality. Like when you go to the doctors and you're looking for a primary care physician, you got to interview your primary care physician because you don't just like go to a primary care and expect them to be like the best doctor for you, right? Like you got to figure out who is going to be the one that like fits your needs. Uh, And I think I encourage people at least to, you know, there are so many, you know, Asian American Pacific under orgs out there. 
um, that support different niche topics. Um, so I would just kind of, you know, look around at the different nonprofits out there. And if you really want to get involved with, you know, Asian American like advocacy, you kind of have to do your own homework and research and, and figure out if that's actually what you want to do. Mm, that's good advice because I feel like we don't have PCPs either. So we got to find those yeah. two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with two birds with one stone. I think yeah. that's something that like we're especially the personally running into, or at least I am and maybe Sally is too, where yeah. we're like, we were in such a nice little comfy bubble in college where uh, we had all these organizations offered to us and like we could join easily and we had time to, we didn't have a nine to five, but now that we do, it's like up to us to find that community and like really integrate ourselves, but it's, <laughs> it's like so much harder. So it's good to hear your advice that you have to like go out and search for it. Yeah. And I think that like, um, I think our generation, I don't, when did, when did the, th the three of you graduate? Last year. Last, last May. Year. Last year. Okay. Yeah. I think we're still in the same, like you know, within two, two plus or two, three years. Um, but I think a lot of people are who have graduated, right. Are still looking for, how can I get into that space again? You know, um, how do I find that community? And I think, in the next couple of years, it'll be people from our, you know, plus or minus three years graduating who will start orgs or initiatives or programs that will be more inclusive to that audience. Because uh, before it was like, okay, um, you know, I, I joined my ASA, uh, I went to this conference, and now I got to go live the big adult world and focus on my corporate job or like be a doctor or be a lawyer. Um, but I think now more than ever, because I've heard these conversations before, but it's mostly people around my age who are like, Oh, Vin, like, you know, how did you find this like organization? It's like, oh, I've been in it for a while. And, um, I can't seem to let go. Although this is my last year with Ikasu. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think um, it stinks that there isn't like a something that comes to us. But I think I encourage everyone to definitely look because there are orgs out there that are willing to, you know, include folks in the, their programming and stuff. Mm -hmm. Since you said it's your last year, do you have any plans for like staying involved in the community like after your position or are you going to try to find a new community? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think as uh, director of communications, I've been able to meet a lot of different individuals um, and network with a lot of different nonprofit organizations uh, through ICASU. Um, and I think for me, at least for the next year or so, I'm going to be focusing a little bit on, uh, so I, you know, obviously given the political climate of um, all the, the rise in anti-Asian sentiments, I mean, it's been around for such a long time. Like I'm, as, like, if I was never in medicine, I would go into history because I think history is super important. Um, and I think that the one big issue that we have as a country and as a world is that we're never like, given the opportunity to actually learn something that we're interested in, right? Like if you could, if I could go back to when I was like five and someone told me you could learn about all the European settlers uh, or you can learn about Asian American studies and like how Asian Americans came to this country, I would totally pick the Asian American studies, you know, but I had to learn about um, the pilgrims, stuff. the <laughs> pilgrims and like cook and like, and then the other thing, right? Like, if you think about it, um, when you go to, you know, social studies classes, every time you learn about some kind of Asian country, it's always in the context of war, right? It's never about, oh, 
Japan developed this whole religion and like had this, you know, different outlook on life or like, you know, Vietnam was colonized by France and like, you know, never, there's never like contextualization of what goes on in those other countries. And then like what happens here in the U S um, and I say all this because um, there's a big movement uh, that's stemmed out of Connecticut. It's called make us visible. And it's basically an initiative to improve the ethnic studies at the K through 12 level. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there's, so Connecticut, uh, they just passed the bill. I believe they just passed the bill. Don't call me on that. <laughs> I know there's a lot of talk about the bill and where they're going to put um, better ethnic studies, um, especially for Asian Americans uh, at the K through eight level. And they're trying to push it to K through 12. Um, but that same initiative kind of branched out into uh, New Jersey uh, and, and into Pennsylvania. Uh, so I'm working with a group of people um, on those initiatives to help better push those bills through um, and put a focus on the opportunities for ethnic studies at the K-12 level. Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> mm. So that's happening that's like now, like you're trying to push it through? Yeah, it's um, so... The Connecticut one, I'm pretty sure we pushed through. Uh, and then the New Jersey and the PA one, uh, we're trying to like draft the bill and everything uh, and get the people who need to be uh, involved with the organizing together. Uh, we're actually meeting in next week. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like you've come far from doing like representation workshops to... <laughs> helping push bills through that's such a yeah i think we've just talked about this before on our podcast where everyone Mm kind of starts out as like i guess the beginnings of like you Mm -hmm. said that we didn't have it in our schools growing up so like for a lot of us it's when we come to college and that's the first exposure we get to any type of asian american history or advocacy but then there's always that like uh representation and like being bullied about your school lunches kind of starting (laughs) place and then like we keep going to more conferences and we keep talking to different people. And uh, thankfully our campus had classes that we could take and it's like kind of your evolution and how you're, I guess, learning about um, the Asian American like issues in this country. But that's really cool to see that, how the progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the Ikazu conference is really like critically advanced. Like when <laughs> I went, Linda, you've said it, this they before. Had, like, Oh well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back when I like I returned from the conference in February, I was like, oh my God, like being a Sally, like, it was so nice. Um, I thought it was gonna be like super awkward or cringy, but all the workshops were really good. I was like so excited for like the EDM workshop. <laughs> I remember because that was like on my mind and it was super cool to see everything like that. But what were we talking about? Like starting from somewhere and Boba liberalism, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that like the starting point though? Boba liberalism or I mean the starting point is knowing nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, that's true. To completely know nothing. So I guess Boba I feel like we were like a baby I don't step. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's true. I, I wish that our orgs had pushed the Kasu conference more because we did have like our org specific conference that we went to for TASA, but based on what Linda said, it was like on a completely different level of discussion of what, what was talking about, which is, I mean, I think it's great to have the option to like learn more and like further yourself instead of going to the same 
type of conference over and over. Like there's benefits to both, but yeah, I never even heard about the Ikasu conference until like Linda won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's because the ASU at our school was like kind of small. I don't know what you guys would describe as what it was like, but they were just like, kind of in the corner. A lot a of little people bit. in the corner is a good school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, this was actually something that I wanted to ask you, Vin, was um, I don't know, like, if you do this for your role or job as communications director, but does Ikasu, like, do they nurture, I guess, or kind of look after the different on-campus ASUs or different Asian orgs? Like, is that part of their, I guess, branch of their mission? Or is it kind of like you're up to your own, you do whatever? Like, because like we said before, it was seen as an umbrella organization, but how much support exactly is given to these, like, campus-specific organizations and like how do you create the network because I think that was something that we didn't see on campus and I don't know maybe it just wasn't like that's not a thing but you know no that's a great question okay so now I'm kind of understanding the context Mm -hmm. of your question earlier uh yeah so Ikasu is not like an umbrella org for all like okay okay yeah um like officially we're not um we only um everyone knows us for our conference because that's the one time where we invite everyone and we like throw this whole thing. Um, usually it's by a school that like bids to run conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you like submit a bid uh, and, you know, Ikasu's BOD and national board kind of like go through your bid. We go through it together uh, and we like decide whether or not you're, you're, you know, super organized or what, I don't know, whatever the criteria is. Uh, and so you host the conference and we give all of our support to you. Uh, throughout the year uh and like we outreach to as many schools as possible um oftentimes it's hard to connect with them if they've changed emails um but that's why we have our newsletter and usually like people will spread to their friends like oh hey like you should go to this sort of thing um but yeah we don't nurture any on-campus sort of thing um like i said before we do have uh campus summits which is run through our outreach program um and so how those work is you know usually a university or campus will uh have their asa have like some sort of issue right so like for example one year uh i forget where it was but they were really interested in learning about civic engagement so we helped connect them with um organizations uh in the apia's community space that focus on civic engagement political work um and so we helped them plan like this mini conference um and like at the end of every campus summit, we usually have like a town hall. So that's when Ikasu usually sends a couple of national people and they sit down and they have a discussion with everyone in that ASA org and say like, oh, what are like some major issues that your org is facing? Or like, how can we help? Or like, um, you know, what are the next steps sort of thing? Um, and then like typically, you know, we'll follow up because uh, usually, you know, like I said, Ikasu has like, you know, some 30 plus volunteers from all over the East coast. Um, so you usually one or two people or go to that campus. Um, so they usually help out, um, sometimes. Um, but yeah, we don't do like check-ins. Although that's a good idea. I don't know if people have capacity. Um, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. That really clears it up. I guess using the un- an umbrella term is like not correct, but also I think it's because, because of the state of our ASU org on campus, 
it was kind of like the connecting, I guess, the central organization, or it was supposed to be the central organization between all the different like um, specific organizations like TASA for Taiwanese students or CSA for Chinese students. And like that was the connector. And so I guess because they they were the ones advertising Ikasu's conference, I thought that it was like a linear connection. But now that I know there's not, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I think um, you'd have to go back to, I think you'd have to talk to like Helen Zia or Renee Tajima-Pena and ask them if their whole idea was that like they would start Picasso um, and then invite like other chapters to open up and then like join the union. Uh, I don't know if that's how they had envisioned it back then. I did some archival work where I went to Princeton and was like looking through all the old records because um, Ikasu used to just be the East Coast Asian Student Union. It wasn't Asian American mm-hmm. until 2010, I think. Um, and we didn't even have a national board until 2015. No, not 2013, I think. Um, so it's relatively new. Also, I think a random question that I had was yeah. from a also a podcast point of view. Like, what do you think about the current landscape of Asian American podcasts in general? Are you like involved in listening Whoa. to other podcasts? Because yes. I know there's a lot coming out. Well, what do you mean? What? <laughs> like, I see like that. so many and like they're all talking about like different mm-hmm. things. So how do you feel like your Ikasu podcast is adding to I guess the industry or something, the field. It's a big question. Are you, are you part of, um, there's a podcast, like branch of like ACN or something, I think. Um, it's run by this guy named Jerry Wan. Um, Do you know him? It's, I don't know him, but uh, he's he, he's very friendly. Uh, he like invited me to join the group. Um, I think I, I think I encourage all of you to join because there's usually, he's very nice about, he's very good at moderating that page. So he like highlights score? people and gives them the opportunity to share their podcast. Let me let me see really quick. Yeah. It's um, the same group that Jessica was talking about before. Oh, Asian Creative Asian Network. Creative Network. Yeah. Okay. There's like a podcast version. Let me see. Uh, I'm part of too many groups. Linda, were you holding in that question? Not really. Oh. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like a big burst of like inspiration to ask it. Uh, okay. A it's, big burst. It's called the Asian Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think um, I think there's so many podcasts. Um, I've actually listened to yours as well. Um, I'm a fan because uh, oh. Linda told me during uh you're in you're doing your interview and i was like oh i'm still gonna listen to it um so very, i think i think what you you all are doing is awesome uh i think there are definitely some that are just riding a wave um and trying to talk to like famous people and like get their two cents on asian american hate and like mm. you know bubble liberal ideas um not that that's terrible but i think that they definitely and I think it goes, it all comes down to like, um, so I was super into YouTube like a couple of years ago before like 
all the big famous corporations got on YouTube, right? So like YouTube was like a place where anyone could create anything and like the community would subscribe and love it and whatever. And now were you like creating movie things? companies and, oh. you know, talk show hosts, uh, I was creating really bad things, <laughs> um, like things I would never want to see the light of day again. Uh, <laughs> just really cringy stuff. Um, and like, you know, I think the same thing is slowly happening to the podcast world, right? Like there's all these podcasts popping up about um, very, I don't know, surface level things. Um, but I think Ikasi's podcast, which is called Community Echoes, um, is more focused on uplifting nonprofit orgs uh, within the AAPI space, as well as like individuals within the AAPI space that um, may not otherwise get that kind of recognition. Um, and the question I ask everyone at the end of every podcast episode is like, how do we make the world a better place? Or like, what do you think is like the best thing we can do to make it better? Um, and I think that's, I think that's something, yeah, I think it's a big question that people like to answer. Mm-hmm. Linda's scouting out our competition. <laughs> yeah. It's not competition. <laughs> We're collaborators. <laughs> oh, collaborators. I think, the, I okay. think the three of you should be on the podcast. To uh, so talk I about mean, what? <laughs> talk about, you know, how you started and like what the podcast means to you while you do it. And, you know, give a All fresh right. perspective. This episode is about Vin. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I wanted to ask more about Boba uh, liberalism because I think we've talked about it a lot on this episode and on previous ones. We've like sprinkled it out, but I don't know if we've ever like sat down and defined it because I've also heard a lot of kind of similar definitions of Boba liberalism. Boba liberalism, but like, what do you personally consider it? Then, and um, I don't know what. Why is it like such a I don't know. There's like conflicting feelings about it, you know, especially coming from your perspective as someone who's been in the, I would say, Asian American advocacy space for a while. Like, what what are your thoughts? Okay, so um, putting my Ikasu hat on, (laughs) um, I would say that liberal liberalism is this idea that I think it's a term that was coined on Twitter, honestly, um, to, to at like West Coast Asian Americans, because like the West Coast, right, is like you know, there are demographically a ton of Asian Americans there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the issues that Asian Americans on the West Coast face may not exactly be the same issues as people on the East Coast. Uh, and it's the idea that, oh, I will only worry about the, these surface level issues that like everyone else worries about. So whether that's like uh, media representation or model minority myth or lunchbox, you know, scenarios, you know, those are like the big three. Um, but I think... And, you know, from an Ikatsu perspective, you know, we're also thinking about things that are deeper than that, you know, like deportation issues, like um, how do we sort LGBTQ communities? Um, you know, how do we promote, like, the inclusion of our Pacific Islander communities? You know, like the reason why also, okay, this is, sorry, I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit. But one of my most, one of the most important issues for me is um, Pacific Islander issues, specifically in Hawaii. Um, and how like the tourism industry is just absolutely destroying that culture, that community. Um, and those are the things that like, I've been always thinking about, um, 
and wanted to like talk about in the costume space. Um, and so, you know, I think it's great. So taking my Tassu hat off and putting my personal hat on, um, I think bubble liberalism is a nice stepping point and starting point for individuals. I don't think we should stigmatize anything like that, honestly. Like if you're coming from, I don't know, Idaho and you've never met another Asian American and you are realizing that there are no Asian Americans in film ever. And like whenever they're in film, they're portrayed very poorly then yeah, you're going to get pissed. And like, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, like how come no one's talking about this? Uh, but then it takes someone who understands that like, oh yeah, that's an issue, but hey, there's other issues that are just as important or if not more. Um, and I think that in- involves people not saying, oh, you're a bubble liberal, like, you know, whatever. Because um, I think, you know, there before, like in, from, from my understanding, no ASA orgs really talked about media representation or model minority myth that much until the last, at least in the last 10 years, right? Mm. And so I think there's a progression and I think that ASA organizations are just behind mm. uh, and they need somebody, something to kind of say, hey, like you should be thinking about these issues too, that are not just like, mm-hmm. when am I going to get why is why is there a bubble shortage or something? <laughs> oh yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> is there actually a shortage? What? This is real? Yeah, it was like something with the shipping. Um, uh, so there's like a shortage. Then you should listen to our episode that we recorded after we went to our TASA conference. Because um, I think that we talk a oh, bit about this afterwards. We kind of we didn't roast them, but we, we talked about it as in how we've been going to this conference for a few years in a row and it has the same kind of themes coming up. But we also talked about how it's so complicated um, in like a college environment and I guess in real life environment too, because people are coming from different places. You know, not everyone came from the same background or got to learn about Asian American history in like high school or anything like that. So it's like having that, I don't know, empathy, but also like being willing to to challenge yourself to like think about other things or consider other facets of the Asian American experience besides like Aquafina on mm-hmm. on t- TV. So yeah, I, I think it's a very complicated issue. And like when I I think bubble liberalism has become like a I don't know a spicy word, it's like derogatory. Like, yeah, of? to like throw out yeah. and be like, oh, you know, like us versus them. But it doesn't have to be us versus them. I see it more of as like and like an an and statement where you know you can think about this and other things, but yeah, I guess everyone has to start somewhere is basically what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like the dunking on libs mentality <laughs> when people become like super leftist and leftist. they just go into it to argue and they're like, you have to read theory, you have to, you know, blah, blah. But also I feel like high school students, they can't be bober liberals. Like they don't know anything. They don't even have social studies or like a proper social studies like Ben was talking about. So they, they're not boba liberals. They just don't know, you know, and they're the ones experiencing mm-hmm. like the lunch problem and things like that. Yeah. And it's also like when you go to college and you're like in that environment where your organizations, you're finally uh, with other people who are talking about issues that you've been thinking about. It's like hard to like escape that because I think we've talked about that too, Linda, where we want our organizations on campus to do more a little bit in the advocacy space, but we're so comfortable with it being just social. And just talking about like food or like, you know, representation, but it's like, how do you push your organization to, to dig a little deeper? I don't know. 
Yeah. It's complicated. Did you experience that? Like, how was the ASU at your school or like the Asian org scene in Stockton? Yeah, it's Stockton. Uh, at least my first year I joined, it was very much like a social group that like we would host events that's like, um, oh, try food from every different country mm-hmm. sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and not to say that was terrible, honestly. Like, I thought it was cool um, to experience that because that's not something I would have gotten to do, like, if I had not joined, I guess. Uh, but then I became president of our org. Um, and I was very, like, I was studying and reading all these different, like, um, textbooks. And, you know, um, I, had, I was taking an Asian Pacific Islander literature course. And then, but in that, in that course, I was learning about all these different issues and that, that Asian Americans face. And I was like, oh, we needed to have, like, a like a boot camp sort of thing where we all, <laughs> like, sit down and, like, learn about this issue, this issue, this issue. And if you're interested in these issues, you should go here to this website and read more about it. Or you should, like, read this book. You know, um, and so I think the one thing I was very proud of with my ASA was that we were able to do um, this, like, because I was like super fascinated with Ikasu for some reason, and I was like, we're all going to go to Ikasu next year, and we're going to have the biggest group, and everyone's going to know everything about every, last year's topics, so that this year you'll go to topics that you don't know and learn more and bring it back, sort of thing. Um, and so it was all around like you know, colorism, um, you know, biracial identity, anti-blackness in the Asian American communities and stuff. Um, and it was really cool. Cause like, I know the individuals who like went, like had never really talked about it openly. Um, and like, it was nice to have that conversation with everybody. Um, but to your question of like, yeah, how do we get other orgs to do that sort of thing? And like, I don't, I don't want to say transcend, but <laughs> I want to say like push, push the envelope just a little bit. Right. Like, I don't think anyone is asking ASAs to like redesign their whole curriculum or like programming, but I think it's more like, okay, I think, um, you know, we've acknowledged that model minority myth is an issue. Uh, but like, can we also acknowledge that, um, there is definitely a disparity in the Asian American community, right? Like Southeast Asians are, have a higher proportion of, you know, being poorer, um, than like, typically east asians or like um gosh there's so many topics (laughs) or you know this is disaggregation of data i guess Mm -hmm. um on that point um and i think it it takes i think it takes things like going to conference i don't want to say like ikasu is like this thing but i think it takes going to conferences that are different from what you normally go to um but also having like difficult conversations with people who have been doing the work for a while um there's a great activist. Her name's Nancy Lin. Uh, she is the executive director of Viet Lead, um, which is based here in Philly and in South Jersey. Um, and, you know, I, I think talking to her and being able to have tough discussions about what it means to be Vietnamese American and how, like, a lot of Vietnamese Americans are, like, conservative and, like, you know, supported Trump in 2016. Um, even this last year, like, I think the data was, I think the data was 2016 into 2020 but the like Vietnamese Americans were the greatest proportion of people who voted for Trump and I was like oh my god like my heart hurts you know and then having that conversation with someone really helps kind of like get into the nitty-gritty of like conversations like um you know what was you know American colonialism has lasted since forever and affects affected that whole situation that's why 
you know, a lot of South Vietnamese are very pro America and very pro conservatives because, you know, they were the ones who extended the helping hand and it may not look like it, but it was the American people who caused that war. They don't know that. And it involves a lot of discussion and conversation. Um, but yeah. Oh my gosh, Vin, have you met or do you know of Janelle Wong? Janelle Wong, I don't. We had her as a professor. Lynn and I took a Asian American politics class. And man, everything you're talking about, especially the disaggregation of data and all of the things with, especially like Vietnamese communities and the differences between within um, Asian Americans, like she went off on that. So I feel like you could enjoy her readings i guess i don't know she publishes okay, a cool. lot but look yeah i think scholar those kind of classes yeah th- those would be very <laughs> helpful to have but linda that yeah. could have been your alternate like presidency if you became president of tasa you could have done a little boot camp too <laughs> i know okay then you gave me so fired up retroactively of all the stuff i should have done when look, i was she gave up she stopped running in college in tasa i i rescinded yeah. because because of politics and you know or <laughs> like drama and stuff like that but I mean, oh my god you like accomplished so much during your tenure at stockton asa um i guess like when you're talking about having conversations with things do you notice that you're like socially with your friends, you were having these conversations or mm-hmm. when you hang out with other Asian Americans as, you know, as your peers? I think for me, um, I'm definitely a, a social butterfly. Um, and I love to have conversations with people, even if I don't know them. Um, I mean, the, this this might be a terrible example, but I was at uh, a party um, and, I, and I was hanging out with a ton of different, you know, it was, a, it was a mixed group of people. Um, and I was just talking about how, like, you know, it's important that we talk about these Asian American issues and, like, we need to learn about, you know, the issues that also affect, you know, Latinx communities and, like, Black community and all that stuff. Uh, and, I, and I don't know, like, I didn't know half those people. Uh, and I'll just talk to them. Like, you know, if I think if someone's willing to listen and you have the passion to talk about something, you should do it. Because mm-hmm. um, I think... Uh, a lot of the times that stuff gets missed uh, in education, but only comes from like dinner table discussions mm-hmm. or like just discussing like at a bar or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Like you need the the space to have those discussions too. Because I think um, maybe towards our last year um, in TASA, one of the presidents tried to like create small group kind of discussions. And it was like the first time they'd ever had that, I don't know, that format where they had questions that could like prompt a little more deeper discussion and it was like a little bit of wow we're not like we've never done this before kind of thing or like what happened to like our social like gbms like why are we doing these small group discussions and it's like taking those little baby steps to creating that space where you know it's not that bad to like talk about a few questions like for 30 minutes you know with your friends and it's supposed to be with your friends so you feel like it's a safe space but i don't know i guess that's a little tricky like when you're already kind of used to a certain way of just going in, being social, hanging out. It's like making that time to have those discussions. It's hard. So that's that's pretty bold that you were doing it at parties because <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to do that. I think I think when I am, I, I don't know what your audience is like, but, you know, when I am, uh, you know, uh, enjoying myself, <laughs> um, I get really passionate about the topics that I've been thinking about, I guess. 
Um, and so I just want to talk to everyone about like, there was a point where I was talking to everyone about the importance of phone banking. Uh, so at yeah, a party, that's at a party. Well, did people listen? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> uh, I mean, I got some people to come phone bank with me. So I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a party. <laughs> it worked out. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like, I like your point about, um, I think it's baby steps that needs to get to, to get people through there mm-hmm. to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you remember the wiffle ball after party that we had? Like three years ago, was that the one you yeah. went to by yourself? No, you guys were there, but I was talking to them how like the wiffle ball was a disaster and it was like very like heteronormative and stuff. And then two mm-hmm. years later, they actually listened to me at the party. You prompted and change. They implemented it. What can I say? Yeah, but like years. I after, didn't know it happened it was, like, at a party. That one party. They came wait, back wait, and wait, told I, me I about it, it. They did like a poll. I thought it was because people feedback. from from FCA were like really upset or something yeah. afterwards. Was that was Maybe it was like, combined, okay, combined uh, efforts. It was yeah. a combination of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Small baby step in changes. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of you baby can take steps, credit, Linda. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Then could you recommend some, I guess, advice for current college students and even postgrads on how they can start to get involved in the community? And um, I know for me personally, like I never took... Asian American studies classes in college and obviously I never had that background knowledge before college so I think like um, starting these conversations or joining in on conversations is a little like there's like a barrier for me because I feel like I don't know what I would say or I feel like uneducated enough um, not not educated enough about these issues to contribute to conversations so I'm always a little hesitant um, but do you have any steps you would recommend to get more involved with this yeah so definitely before i was super passionate about like all these issues and talking about it um i definitely spent time going to literature and, and reading things um i always say uh a day in the library saves you a month at the bench because i work in research like if you just spent a day reading about Sally things, gets you know the answer. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Sally works in a lab too, so you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you know, like if you if why do an experiment if someone's already done it? Right. Mm-hmm. Um so I think reading uh you know, whether it's I, I there's probably hundreds of book recommendations I could give. Um but there's this one book called Origins uh by T. Wynn. Uh and she kind of talks about um her life uh, coming from Vietnam and then growing up in the U.S. Uh, and I think she paints a, an amazing picture of what it was like growing up Asian American and not really understanding your culture fully um, and like wanting to be, you know, I'm like white basically. Uh, and I think starting from there, like reading literature uh, and then progressing to like, you know, organizations and conferences like Ikasu or like um, reaching out to other nonprofit orgs is the best way to kind of get your foot in the door. Um, I think a lot of um, API organizations are very open to discussion and like helping anybody. So honestly, the worst thing that can happen is someone says no uh, or like, sorry, I don't have time, but you should just email people and be like, hey, like, can we talk about this? Um, more often than not, those organizations have like 
uh, like a similar like boot camp. I hate saying boot camp because it's really militaristic, but um, a summit, maybe (laughs) a summit. Yeah, summit. But yeah, but summit is like very ikasu. I don't want to be like super ikasu, but uh, you know, it's like it's like a summit, right? Like if usually there's like a um, some kind of undergraduate or even like postgrads are welcome sort of like curriculum that happens. Um, Ikasu has a high school program, a high school student program. So like we invite. Uh, some 12 to 20 high school students to take part in uh, the curriculum, which is basically, you know, Asian American studies for high school students, um, which is a really great program that I think a lot of people usually really enjoy. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I can definitely send a lot of rec- like a recommended list. I don't know if you want to add that to your. Yeah, like, we can add it to our show notes. Blog, okay. um, Linda. Put it on the blog. Linda, revive the blog. Um, We'll revive it from Vint. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think I'm definitely biased because Ikasu has done a lot for me. Um, And I think, you know, the people who work in Ikasu, I have learned so much from. Um, This is not all just me just like reading and like being like, oh, I know everything. It was just like listening to the conversation. I don't think you should be scared of being a wallflower, right? Like in a room, like just being there to listen. Uh, it's what you do after that, right? Like, I think it's okay to listen to conversations, internalize it, reflect on it, um, and then take actions. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And yeah. you know, hopefully um, me and other listeners will be activated to take more action after this. But um, <laughs> I guess that is wraps up our interview with you today. But do you have any last words you want to add? Um, maybe summarizing <laughs> anything um, any last advice <laughs> <laughs> or a last plug for ikasu uh, yeah uh, i mm. oh okay i can plug the podcast um we we have a podcast <laughs> called community echoes uh we update it every now and then um it's a great podcast that helps uplift uh, the voices of other Asian American orgs, um, as well as individuals who are in the nonprofit spaces and, and helping to improve the education of, for Asian Americans. Um, we also have a, our annual conference, which is May 21st to 23rd this year. It's virtual, uh, so I, I encourage everyone to, to sign up and register. Um, it'll be super fun. I will be doing a workshop on how to organize like a rally <laughs> uh slash like protest i guess because um, i just did one in pittsburgh and philly um so that'll be cool but yeah thanks for having me on the show thank you oh, Vin, do you want that question, <laughs> what question? um the, the ending question that you guys do oh, what do you no, think will make no, the world no, better no. or something yeah. do you want <laughs> it or no don't okay. steal from their podcast <laughs> that's their brand i mean I'm, i will answer i will i will answer the question but i don't think it's going to be a good answer <laughs> no i think um i think what will make the world better is if we have better if we provide better accessibility to education um you know i think among the things that we should all have a right to, other than healthcare, uh, education is one of them. Uh, and I think anyone should be able to walk into a library and read any book they want to read or be given the opportunity to learn about um, something that's personal to them. Because um, it's not, you know, when you're a kid, you don't, you kind of just given stuff and like 
say, here you go, you have to learn this. But, you know, I don't remember a time where I was given the opportunity to, as an option, right, to study different things. It was most like, here's the curriculum, you're going to study this, so good luck. Um, you know, the, the, the opportunity to choose and pick and choose like you do in college, having that at like the K through 12 level would be, I think, really helpful for individuals. Um, yeah, that's my, how to make it better. Mm, yes, great points. That's a good answer to a big question. Yeah. <laughs> it is a big question. If you like this episode, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at movingalongpod and check out our Medium blog for all of our bonus contents. You can follow us there at movingalong.medium.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye.